0: Welcome to episode 142. My name is Russell, it's Podcast Peldroid, Droid, and uh, the very great pleasure, as we often do, it's, uh, it's Gareth. How are you, sir?
1: I am good,
2: Russ. How are you?
0: Yeah, I'm very well. And Leon?
2: Uh, hello, good evening. How are you guys?
0: We're good. It's, it's the longest day. Yes, yes. Isn't it? Yeah. Today. So, apologies in advance for any feral children who the solstice has sort of just. Um, so, apologies if there's any interruptions. Um, and. We've had about, is it, was it was it 25 games this month? I can't, I, I lost count after a while. <laughs> yeah, something like
1: that. Recording yeah. on the longest day, following the longest
0: <laughs> <national> <laughs> window. I saw a couple of tweets earlier that sort of said, right, uh, um, Monday, next Monday, it's pre-season training starts. And, and it, it really is a 12-month season now, isn't it? You can see why your rugby leagues and your crickets and other sports are beginning to struggle a little bit.
2: Is it seriously, next Monday,
0: back for pre-season? I saw a couple of tweets, and in fact the New Saints and Bala are playing a friendly tonight <laughs> because they obviously go into preliminary qualifying European ties, etc.
1: I don't really understand people who don't... Like international football but who are big into club football because they always moan don't they, about the length of some international windows but they just get club game after club game after club game the rest of the time and after just what's it been like five games I'm thinking even I could do with a bit of a break now as much as I love Mm. watching Wales play so I don't I never understand it
0: it's kind of like the Welsh rugby thing isn't it now where it used to be special internationals but but now because there's so many of them that they just feel like they come round all the time so you can have too much of a good thing
2: yeah i tell you what if it, f- it yeah. feels a bit like um a tournament i mean because it's the summer as well when tournaments usually take mm. place and 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 like like we've been sort of knocked out and you feel a bit oh okay what do i do now like in uh year 2016 obviously you didn't expect to be in it in the tournament for, tournament for that long and then when you do get knocked out it's like oh okay oh, i've got to kind of readjust now and um so I did find myself sort of craving another game after after the uh, the Netherlands away defeat. Um, but I think... Oh,
1: uh, did you? I, I, I guess... Yeah, I don't know. Partly I it's the frustration I of the way this, it
2: ended, this, you know, like, yeah. Yeah,
1: Yeah. well, I think I'd sort of linked to that, only coming up from a slightly different way. I think it's a window a bit tainted by what might have been if the circumstances were, were different. Because obviously we ended up having to play the match against Ukraine, Um very obvious reasons and therefore perhaps we didn't have a proper run at the Nations League you know certainly the Poland game which could have been potentially the one that would have if we were in a position to play a strong team against Poland and get us off to a flying start I think we'd have seen a a, a dedicated Nations League window as something to get a bit more excited about but I think quite rightly the focus had to be on our World Cup qualifier and then once we were past the excitement of that we were already chasing you know, results having lost in in Poland. So maybe the euphoria of the World Cup and the sort of fact we couldn't give our full attention to the Nations League, I don't know, it's made what could have been a really exciting, long international window feel a little bit flatter. But actually, I, having said that, I think we did quite a good job of making those games interesting and, and exciting as it turns out.
0: But it's also the sense that it peaked really early, didn't it? In the sense that we had that game where there was so much riding on it and... The, the come down, if you like, after that, and then having to build yourself up, then for you know another home game, three home games in a week, but another game against the Netherlands, and ju- it, it it was just exhausting. Now, you know, I did sense actually in the Netherlands game, we'll probably touch on this more fully in a bit, that the atmosphere was a little bit, they, they, there was a sense of tiredness, uh, you know, in in the in the crowd on that that first Netherlands game because there had been so much riding on that that Sunday. Um, which just changes the dynamic and if you'd have said on the first of June okay guys right you're going to win only one game this month (laughs) which one do you want to win you know 704% of the vast population would have said Ukraine obviously so when that was mission complete you know I'm impressed actually with how I'm impressed with how well we actually got up for those games against good opposition there's been some strange results in our nation's league group with Netherlands, tonking Belgium, but then Belgium absolutely smashing Poland, but then us probably being better than Belgium. So, but it's that end of season thing, you know, they're tired and and so it's a really, it's been an interesting window. I'm not sure I'd necessarily want to go through it again, other than the volume of games has been quite fun. Um, But if nothing else, the players deserve a, they do deserve a break, don't they?
1: And if you look at it in the in the sort of take the thing as a whole, I mean, the way we're talking about the Welsh football team in this Nations League, you know, is 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 quite remarkable when you think about it. We've qualified for a World Cup, and we're now just talking as sort of you know almost in some ways a disappointment or whatever. This kind of series of games where okay we've lost three, but we've lost by the odd goal in League A, you know, amongst the elite teams of Europe, we've picked up another. Uh, result against Belgium, one of the top few teams in the world. We can talk seriously about going come into September, and you know if we were to beat Poland at home, have a really good chance of staying up in the top groups in the Nations League. You know, it's it's quite a it's quite a remarkable thing to be talking about the Welsh team. Well, maybe it's not that remarkable. I guess we've kind of got used to it this year and our qualifying things, and we're into World Cup. But I don't know if you if you can take that step back actually when, you know, from it and think about how bizarre it would have been to be in this scenario sort of 10 years ago. It's great.
0: And I think that's the interesting dynamic. I and mean, I've joked and put it out on Twitter a couple of times that we're going to become like the Norwich of the Nations League. We're going to yo-yo a bit. But actually, if we were to manage to stay up, OK, Poland aren't an elite kind of European team. I mean, England are at danger of getting relegated. France are, for example. But you could end up with, you know, a Poland and a France and an England, for example, dropping out of the, of the League A, uh, of Tier A, and I don't know. I'm not I haven't looked at any of the other groups, but for argument's sake, you could get a, you know, a Slovakia or a or a Switzerland jumping up, and suddenly, actually, it begins to that Tier A just begins to get diluted a little bit. If that's the right, mm. and if the draw goes for us, because the Nations League impacts on rankings for other tournament uh, qualifying groups and things, you can begin to see why, you know, in the same way that the likes of England obviously have. Oh, you know, England are a good team. Don't get me wrong get those favorable draws well actually you can begin to see how the the dial just turns slightly for a country where they can begin themselves to keep getting slightly more fortuitous draws so actually there is a little bit more in in riding on september over and above you know whatever you know in terms of like influencing page's decision for the for the world cup squad but actually we 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 could just have a winner takes all against poland to stay up and then and then who knows what who you might get then in the next Nations League draw? It's it's, it's fascinating, dynamic. I, I got a lot yeah. of time for the Nations League. I really don't get the kind of the sneering attitude towards it that you see on social media from some quarters.
2: Oh yeah, oh yeah, I, agree. I totally agree as well. But um, is the Poland game, the second game of the two. So we go away to Belgium first, and then Poland home. And Poland have got Netherlands at home, I think. Is that the way the order? Because it could, it could, I haven't got it in front of me. But but I I think be, that's that one right, could be yeah. really exciting if if you know because our goal difference is better than theirs at the moment, because they got tonked. So if it comes down to sort of winning a home game against Poland...
1: It is in that order, right? So, we, you know, if, if, if Poland don't get anything at home to the Netherlands, then, yeah, we'll have that massive game on, and it will be winner-takes-all, I guess, there. And you're right, they got... I think they lost us 6-1, didn't they? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, yeah. have got the goal difference. Have you got the them, table
2: definitely. there? I mean, what's the goal difference? What's our goal difference and what's theirs?
0: So, we've got minus three. They're on minus five. they're on minus five.
2: So yeah, as long as we don't go away to Belgium and get hammered, you I'd sort of expect Poland to lose to the Netherlands. Then it, yeah, it comes down to that last game, which is it's 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 good um, to have this sort of competitive competitive edge as well. Just like two months away from from a World Cup. Mm. Um and the players would be desperate to get in that World Cup squad, obviously. Um and it's yeah, it's better than sort of, you know, I don't know, playing uh Paraguay or however although to be fair i kind of do miss those kind of um slightly random friendlies that we have we used to have before world cups when we were kind of um considered the stand in for the republic of ireland or or scotland or
0: sometimes even england warm-up fodder yeah yeah
1: further to what i was saying earlier it's um Partly by necessity because of the number of games, but it's not just that we're sort of playing in these games and competing and, and getting results against Belgium at least. It's that we're having to change personnel, try players out. You know, against Poland, we were playing virtually a second string, and we're still competing. You know, we're still good. It speaks positively to the the depth we might expect to see in our our squad ahead of the World Cup. Um, and I think one of the one of the comments on. Twitter earlier on today, in response to your sort of call for points, was about, you know, is the team better than 2016? Maybe not. But the depth is most certainly there. And we we in the sort of early gigs days when sort of young players were coming through, we cast quite a lot of doubts on whether that depth constituted strength in depth. But I think this Nations League campaign is suggesting that maybe it does.
0: Pages consolidated it, I think. I mean there were lots of players if you look think back to those early days. I mean, it's funny because we're going to unleash a, a, a Daniel James stat in a in a bit, but I remember his debut against I think it was Albania, wasn't it? And he 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 struggled. Matondo comes on and looks just like looks awesome, but of course you know the tables have turned for those two in the in the the four years since. Yeah, you know uh, Marley Watkins was getting games. Ryan Hedges was getting games under under Giggs. You know Declan John came back into the squad. So to be fair to Giggs, and there is a lot of criticism. He's been in the headlines again this week in terms of him, you know, formally resigning. To be fair to him, he did cast that net quite wide in those first few games. And probably, if we look back, probably suffered in terms of one or two of those results, not least the Albania game. Page has probably got to, is probably going to benefit from that, as, as indeed Gigs would have done if he'd hung around as well, of course. But he seems to have consolidated it. So notwithstanding, Nathan Broadhead got a call-up, Wes Burns got a call-up. It does seem to be getting a little bit harder to break into that squad now, and he did seem to want to make... A point of getting a lot of minutes or as many minutes as possible using those substitutes. You know, the full five substitutes or at least four most games, and it does seem to be looking to bed that squad in. And if if it is, I think it's a fascinating conversation, isn't it? Fascinating kind of question. The twenty sixteen first eleven versus the twenty twenty two first eleven. Oof, that's because you've still got some big personalities in that twenty sixteen side who would have played, who you know know their way around a football pitch. But the squad, for sure, is a much, much stronger proposition. We struggled, if you remember, to find 20 names, let's be honest, for the year 2016 squad. There was three or four names there of just people, well, you know, it could have been anybody in a tombola. Now, we're going to have to try to find maybe 31, 32, possibly even 33 to fit into 23 or 26. I've seen reference to both numbers. That's a hell of an evolution in, in only six years as well, for a small country like us with a small professional pool of players.
2: It's incredible. Yeah, I think it's uh, sort of an example to a certain extent of how success does breed success. Um, mm, yeah. In that, you know, a lot of these young players who, who are giving our squad depth are, are dual qualified and, and you know, maybe that watching watching Wales at year 2016 would have kind of perhaps made made up a few minds about, you know, which way they were going to jump because we had yeah, players who were being courted by... You know wales uh, and england or you know in sort of like Ampadu's case ireland and ghana and you know you know brennan johnson could have played for jamaica obviously but like he'd have been at school watching our run to the semi-final of euro 2016 and thinking yeah kind of quite fancy a bit of that you know um which is it's, it's just great you know to, to have that sort of uh, depth and have these kind of conversations about you know who did deserves to start and how do you fit Brennan Johnson in Um, which is obviously a a sort of talking point at the moment because he's had such a fantastic impact um, of late and he's going to be a Premier League player but um, these are great conversations to have you know I, I like having these conversations should we work through
0: some of these replies we've had, some of these points to raise, and you touched on the one there earlier, guys, from um, Mr C Beeks, Clarence Beaks, uh, that about the, the, the first 11 being better now than 2016. What would you reckon if they went toe-to-toe? What do you reckon the score would be? Hmm.
1: I'm inclined to think that um, the current team is perhaps better equipped with a variety of tactical options to beat the 2016 team. You know, I think... We've got greater ability to change things if we need to. We've seen success, albeit inconsistent success, in slightly different formations and slightly different personnel. You know, keep occasionally coming back to persevering with Ramsey in a two. We have games where Kiefer Moore is the focal point. We have Bale in different roles at different times. We've had four at the back. We've had three at the back. And all of those systems have worked on occasion. They haven't, They you know, there's been difference in how consistently well they've worked. But I just think there's a, little, there's a lot more variety to our play now. And whereas in 2016, we were very solid and we could, we could get a sort of job done and we, we, would, we were very defensively robust, I think, I don't know, I think we've got a lot to be as optimistic about with this, this current crop. So I'd, I'd probably lean towards the, the current team.
2: Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with Gaz there. I mean, if you think back to the Slovakia game, 2016, with the kind of injury doubts of Robson Carnu and um, Ledley, both came on and had a real impact. It meant that um, Coleman started with Bale and Johnny Williams up front and Dave Edwards played in midfield. I love Johnny Williams, I love Dave Edwards, but I mean, I think perhaps our kind of 12th and 13th choice players are now stronger than they were in 2016, if you know what I mean, in that Mm. respect. And I think Ben Davis is a better player now. I'd take the, the the 2022 Ben Davis over the 2016 Ben Davis. Um, he's developed into a real leader. Bale and Ramsey aren't at the level that they were then, but they've still shown in recent times, in very recent times, that they're capable of producing these match winning moments, these moments that make a difference. So, um, yeah, I think just about, I would say, just about this this team
0: actually, yeah. Okay, and Chris Gunder's still winning all the table tennis tournaments, so that's that's the same. And who's doing the paintings? If there's no Vin Vinjoy. Oh Owen, yeah, yeah. Owen? he's playing the guitar <laughs> yeah. as well, actually. Yeah, the 2022 point. hasn't got it all its own way. That's what yeah. I'm saying. That brought a point around the the you know the match squad, and there's been a couple of questions as to you know what would be the team tomorrow. For I'm kind of minded maybe to you know to to come back to kind of like a a, a late June, early July. Squad pick and, and and see how it might evolve between now and the World Cup and what it actually ends up being, but that broader point around the pool of players that Page has available to choose from, there's no contest that it's just a stronger pool than, than what Coleman had available, surely. No, no question, no question at all.
1: Hundred percent, and um, I think, or and and with a sort of, with a realistic possibility, if not strong probability that many of those fringe players, you know, we talked about how strong our sort of 12th, 13th, 14th players are. Well, currently our 12th, 13th, 14th, 15th players are mostly players who are still progressing in their careers. You know, they're players who we would hope would go on to, you know, maybe bigger things than they're currently at. So I think not just that, that the quality is looking better in terms of squad depth, but there's potential for that to kind of grow further, you know, speaks really well to the sort of development work that's been done over the last few years
0: because it's increased even on the last euro squad which to my mind was you know a 20 26 man squad where maybe 28 29 were in the running just that two or three seems to have merged in addition i mean some fall away as well of course over the course of that but 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 overall it, it's it's not just renewing itself it seems to be growing and i think that that's a terrific trajectory to be on then when you look at then things like euro 24 then and the next world cup in North America, which I think is gonna be even bigger again. So um Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 something really, really really sort of promising. I mean the other twenty ones there doesn't seem to be anybody really busting a gut to leave the twenty ones and get promoted or or for that matter the nineteens. Owen Beck we've talked about Luke Luke Jeff got as a lot of people shouting his name or not so much lately. Isaac Davis, so, maybe yeah, one. yeah. Isaac Davis is kind of on the, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's another one, I suppose. Ollie Denham was called up to this squad as well, so that's probably uh, one name that might just become a bit of a bolter. Posted that um, a little bit the other, a, a little bit earlier this week as well. And again, there weren't there. didn't seem to be many real. Well, I say realistic. I mean, by definition, a bolter isn't kind of realistic. But there didn't seem to be any many credible then outsiders available now, but things can change, um, I guess the one outsider, as, as it were, um, obviously had lots of caps, would be the extent to which David Brooks can 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 maybe make it, and I think if he did, that's just a, an incredible story, and would and would, would be an absolute shoo-in for mine, my 26, if he was fit and, and, and able to go, um, but that would be a huge ask of him, um, but yeah, apparently it was in the... In the change room, in and around the squad as well during the month, which is just testament to the you know the spirit that's that's in that it's in that squad as well, which is amazing. Well, that, you know, however the results go, however we'd have gone against Ukraine, you know that that's a given, which is which is something always to fall back on, I suppose.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it's um, you just think with with it, you know, the season breaking in mid November, it's like three months. It's a quite short turnaround, so it's. Um, Mm. it'd be a tough ask for him to make it I think but mm. yeah mm. Um, I mean just um, I, I you know it's one of those like no pressure I'm sure like when he's back playing and he's back fit and he'll be back in the Wales squad because he's such a talented player I just think it's probably unlikely for this World Cup but um, yeah I wish him all the best obviously he's a lovely player and um, it'd be great to to have that that option for sure.
1: And you know his time yeah. will come again. I think one of the other sort of strengths of everything we've been talking about is you know we look we look to the future now probably with the you know really positive outlook that says well I a really I, I would feel really confident that we're going to be in the next Euros and you know maybe that's his time you know I we we can feel reasonably confident we've got a chance of doing back to back World Cups because even in those years. After Bale and Ramsey, which, you know, is, is probably likely by the time the next World Cup comes around, people like Brooks and Johnson and, and, and Nico and others who are going to make themselves really sort of important, established um, internationals for us by then, that to me still feels like a, a core group of players who can who can compete at a really high level. and. Yeah, I think you know. In years gone by, in twenty sixteen, serious injuries. Okay, very different to sort of David Brooks's circumstances. But serious injuries to players, you know, in the in the lead up to World Cup, we were desperate to get them in the squad because we didn't really have anyone to sort of replace them if they didn't make it. If you think about Ledley and Hal robson carno how lucky we were that they sort of got over Mm. their late injuries enough to be in the squad. You know, there aren't that many players for whom we're that desperate anymore, do you know what I mean? Because there's somebody else who could who could do a good job if they had to come in.
0: I think for all of the pace that we've got wide, you know, in the wide channels, both kind of as attacking players, but also in the likes of you know, Nico Williams as well, and, and Conor Roberts is no slouch. Brooks, Brooks doesn't have kind of like raw pace. He's more of a floater, more of a flitter. And there's just this deafness to his play that I just think there's, there's, there's something else that he offers in a wide or from a wide position. And I just think there's a little bit of variety there, but you don't take him if you can't, if he, you know if he's not not able to to, to play. I mean that, that that would be silly. But I do think all things being equal, he offers us something that's not just a question of swapping fast player for fast player, you know, pacey winger for pacey winger. That that's something I'm really looking forward to to see him. But you know, you've got to take his time. We don't want to rush him. I think as well he's probably the is he probably the closest. Well, Cole will perhaps. Who knows? Maybe the jury's still out. Maybe in in a couple of areas of his game. But Brooks is probably the closest we've got to an out and out replacement for for Ramsey in a ten role. Well Wilson as well maybe, but again, I'm not sure. But it's academic until he's he's back playing regularly and he's he's um, you know with his club so um wishful thinking on my part I think. We've had a question off Welsh football supporters, the Brennan Johnson versus Dan James debate. And Dan James still has a few mm, critics which yeah, I can kinda get. I kinda don't get it, but I can kinda kinda see why there's why he gets it. He was the only player to start all of the games, which was incredible really given at the end of the season, and he put in a hell of a shift in the morn as well. In some respects he's one of our key defenders, as well as attackers, which we've covered before. It seems strange then that he's the one that's that seems to be well there seems to be a consensus around is he the one to make way for for Brennan Johnson, who who obviously made you know, a, a terrific stake for a, a starting position in the last game, and I thought he was incredible. I thought he was brilliant against the Netherlands, and his finish was was was, was brilliant. But it's, it's it's a difficult choice that one.
1: I'm not entirely sure that you it know? that it is. Well, Brennan Johnson is is kind of incredibly exciting talent who's going to go on to play many many times for Wales. He's going to play many many times in the same team as Dan James, and I feel a bit sorry for Dan James in the sense that to whatever extent he does have his critics or people who doubt whether he, you know, he should be in the team ahead of Johnson. Presumably what they point to is that sort of decision making when he has a little bit too much time to think about. If he's through on goal, do you think he's gonna be able to be clinical and put it away? Does he always make the right decision with his sort of deliveries? And okay, no, no, he doesn't. And then along comes Brennan Johnson, someone who is, you know, clearly a more clinical, more sort of um Accomplished in terms of his decision-making in the final third And, and he seems to be you know He seems to tick those boxes in in the areas where Dan James doesn't but you know Dan James has the track record and I think those people that that kind of doubt Dan James underestimate what a big player. He's been for us over the last two three years, you know he Without Dan James, right, we're not going to this World Cup, right. The fact I would go as far as to say, in not so much the playoffs, because obviously Gareth Bale's goals were were crucial, but in the sort of the qualification campaign proper, Dan James was our most important player, and he turns up in important games. You know, he scores the winner in March 2021, 1-0 against the Czech Republic. He sets up the late winner in Belarus in a game we nearly sort of conspired to sort of um, lose or drop points in. Uh, he scores the sort of equaliser, make it two all in the Czech Republic. He sets up Moore's uh, equaliser against Belgium, you know. Without him and those big moments, we're not going to this World Cup. And okay, we'd have probably finished third and we'd have snuck in via our sort of Nations League record into into a harder playoff. But why would we have done that? Why did we do so well in the Nations League? Because uh, we beat Finland twice. And why did we beat Finland twice? Because Dan James scored and got a couple of assists he has big moments for us game after game after game and i'll forgive him you know the odd miss the odd fluffiness sort of cross here and there because he has a proven track record at international level of turning up for us you know turning up and performing and playing every game i think the stat you're referring to there is he, he hasn't missed a game what since his debut or he in- hasn't- 30-odd appearances or well, something uh, I think like that. It,
2: I think we got this confirmed by Hugh looking it up, but since he made his competitive debut, which I think was the Slovakia game uh, in which he scored the first game of qualifying for Euro 2020, he's started every single competitive game uh, over a four-year period. That's 32 games. And in that time, we've qualified for European Championships, of which we got out of the group and got into the knockout round. We finished top of a Nations League group B to get promoted into League A, and we just qualified for a World Cup, including two very tough playoffs. So I'm I'm totally I'm totally percent on board with what Gaz is saying here. I think people underestimate what a important player Dan James is for us. And just to go and if it's a kind of a direct thing between him and Brennan Johnson, because Johnson is a, a, a finisher. And, you know, I love Brennan Johnson. I'm totally on the Brennan bandwagon. I'm I'm fucking driving that train, you know, as much as anyone. But look at the goal against Netherlands. What, what does it come from? It comes from Dan James closing the player down in the midfield. Brilliant tackle. And not just that he dispossesses the player, but he makes sure the ball gets through to Harry Wilson, who puts in the pass. And then uh, Johnson has a chance to score and he puts it away brilliantly. But that it came from Dan James. So many important goals, as as Gaz has mentioned, and assists as well. Lots of assists for Kiefer Moore. There's a brilliant assist for Bale's winner in Belarus, which didn't really get picked up on at the time. Absolutely fantastic piece of awareness that... um, So, for me, he's one of our best defenders. And, you know, um, his pressing is so good. It's so um, efficient in the way that he presses. He's one of the first names on the team sheet for me. And and that's not to say, like, it should be him playing instead of Brennan Johnson. But I, I feel like, you know, playing a World Cup in Qatar, OK, it's going to be winter, but it's still going to be hot. The Substitutes are going to be really important in these World Cup games. And I think, you know, Brennan Johnson coming on for, for half an hour or 35 minutes might be more beneficial for him as well as, as for us. Than expecting him to kind of play seventy or eighty minutes in every game and coming up against Tyrone defenders, that could be a, it could be a, a really good tactic. But you know, Dan James starts for me all day long.
1: Yeah, I I think so. I I think it's the fact that the way we've sort of set up in most games makes it a direct choice between Dan James and Brennan Johnson. Because assuming we go three at the back and then Connor and Nico wide then that leaves a couple of possibilities, doesn't it? It leaves the possibility where we play, play uh, Kiefer more, which usually then means <coughs> Ramsey sort of in a two with Alan plus Bale and one more, which would have to be James or Johnson. Or we don't play Kiefer more and we play Bale a bit more up top and then we bring in another central midfield player alongside Alan with Ramsey playing 10. And it's still one more then out of James and Johnson. So unless we want to start thinking, well, are we interested in going back to a back four? to have a you know a slightly different attack formation and accommodate both James and Johnson. and then you know it's most of the time it's going to come down to who starts that game and and for me it's 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 going to be Dan James certainly for the foreseeable future as far as the the World Cup and I think possibly after that there's a realistic possibility that we start to be thinking about our post Gareth Bale future anyway in which case the the question's pretty moot so yeah I I think we have a bit of a thing sometimes as Wales fans. I think it's an old Wales fan mentality. We've got this exciting new option uh, and we want to accommodate them. Well, we're we're not there anymore. We've got a a team and a system and a way of playing where we pick the personnel to a greater extent for that system. Yeah, OK, we're never going to drop our superstars. We're going to build around them. But we don't need to sort of force or or change what's worked to accommodate new players, talented as they... They are. When they offer a, a clearly a better option than, than than other players we've already got, then they'll, they'll get their chance. And the other thing to say would be 100% on Leon's point. Any team that's ever done well at an international tournament will tell you it's a squad tournament and, you know, games come thick and fast and there will be a role for Ramsey and Bale and Kiefer Moore and James and Johnson and all of these players to be really important for us. Oh, and one more thing on that. Uh, sorry to Add a little bit of pessimism to the conversation, but both Gareth Bale and Aaron Ramsey have made it to two consecutive tournaments for us fit, right? Given their track record, is anyone really that confident that by the between now and the World Cup, we have a third consecutive tournament where both Bale and Ramsey are there and able to play every game? You know, it might be that our decision's taken out of anyone's hands anyway and we need to bring players through for players whose maybe fitness isn't there so in those apocalyptic apocalyptic sorry scenarios then you know maybe that's maybe that's how this issue gets decided but i don't think it gets decided by pretending that dan james isn't one of our most important players currently
0: i think Paige really clearly trusts him as well you know you don't start start those five games this month that's a huge amount of uh, investment in 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 Dan James in respect of the overall, it's uh, also so the individual game plans in each fixture, but then also the overall plan for the for the month. That that I think speaks volumes. And I don't think people are necessarily recognizing that. You know, there's other players he could have, have said, and far fresher players for that matter. You know, he could have said to Ruben Colwell, right, so I'm going to start you in every game. You know, this is my way of demonstrating how much I believe in you. Um, you can make some mistakes but you're going to start every game no or Brennan Johnson for that matter but Dan James starts every game and I think there's something in that um, that goes over and above whatever his ability is and his influence on his his contribution on the pitch it's something bigger than that more than that
2: I think um, sorry Russell I think it was Bryn Law made the point on Twitter about how Dan James is a player that managers perhaps appreciate more than Mm. fans um, because he he, he works so well within the system and he works so hard for the team. And he defends so well from the front and it's just all this stuff that, you know, a manager knows he can, he can, he can trust this guy to, sort of, to carry out what he expects him to carry out.
0: Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily come across as a particularly sophisticated sort of tactic, if you like, but in every single one of those games, he chased down the opposing goalkeeper who thought he had quite a bit of time to deal with a, a back pass at his feet and at least once in every game and a couple of times in a couple of them was, was found to be really having to rush and there's a lot of selfless running in, in that because someone else is going to be potentially picking up the benefits of, of that loose hurried clearance from the goalkeeper or just kind of a hospital pass to the fullback back who's, who's dropped deep. Yeah, there's something there's something in that. I think in terms of the the, the way the, the opposing defence is is unsettled by his just presence actually. in the same way Bale does, but for different for, you know in a different way. His is about just sheer presence and that dominating personality. Dan James just puts a little bit of doubt in 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 defender's mind because they don't have as much time as they're used to having on the ball. It's just simple as that.
1: I feel were he here that uh, Hugh would want to make some counterpoints in support of the case for Brennan Johnson. So I'm sure it's an issue we'll uh, <laughs> we'll come back to and revisit again as we get closer to the World Cup. Yeah,
0: yeah,
2: yeah. Should we just talk about how good Brennan Johnson's finishing was, though? I mean, just to a <laughs> the balance, because, I mean...
0: But it's interesting what you said, though, isn't it, around how you know, Dan James makes the goal for him against the Netherlands. It's just... Just this balletic, just beautiful poise and balance and awareness on the part of Ramsey to put it into his his path against Belgium. There was something of the Ian Rush, or maybe even the Dean Saunders, about about those two finishes. Not a huge amount of time to pick your spot, to make your decision. He hit the post against... Um, Ukraine. Uh, Ukraine as well. Again, that was a first-time shot. He does have that that kind of sniffers kind of instinct in the box which we haven't had for a while i think it's fair to say well as with bale's got it to a certain extent but you know he's also doing a lot more but just that fox in the box we've re- a lot of us have really wanted to see for a long long time but both both great finishes and, and reminiscent like i said of, of rush or saunders in their pomp I thought
2: yeah that's what i thought as well it's the way um especially the the one against netherlands the way he makes it look easy was exactly what um Ian Rush used to do make those tough finishes look like the most natural thing in the world, so yeah he's a yeah. new Ian rush, no pressure brennan
1: <laughs> yeah, just that I love that finish um against the Netherlands. just the precision of it for a player just in in his sort of first few international games it's you know the vociferousness of support for Dan James is by no means a uh uh in any way sort of a criticism of 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 Brennan Johnson, he's going to be such an exciting talent for us, and he's going to play many, many times. And by the looks of him, score many, many goals. You know, he's. Uh...
0: But also, as well, they were they were they were meeting out some fairly tasty treatment to our players as well in that second Dutch game. For a young, relatively inexperienced player, played a lot of games for Forest last year. You do wonder whether he's thinking, is there another one about to, you know, kick me into next week? But just managed to compose himself just slow it all down and that's 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 what Rush used to say wasn't it just just the ability you know he sort of said try to just make it make time slow down so that you can compose yourself make your decision and, and that kind of thing it's a terrific knack to have ramsey's assist against belgium so where do we stand guys did he did he mean it did he not mean it did he not mean it until he meant it because I saw someone criticising it, saying it wasn't that good because he was actually aiming for another play, which I thought was just the, the most pedantic of criticisms. I, mean,
1: I, don't, I don't normally point to sort of anti-Welsh player conspiracies, but yes, he 100% meant it. And didn't Joe, Joe Allen had a similar thing a few years ago, playing for Liverpool when he did this amazing sort of no-look pass to sort of set up yes. a goal... And that was the same, like anyway, was, scorn was poured on it and you thought anyone who knew Joe Allen, same as anyone who knows Aaron Ramsey now, knows that's absolutely how his footballing brain would work, it's absolutely something he's capable of. 100% he meant that, it was, uh, it was fantastic, it was absolutely beautiful.
2: Yeah, I mean, I wrote a piece for Vice about Joe Allen, um, maybe about a year after that. Um, it was an assist for Liverpool against Stoke in the League Cup final, where every journalist and every commentator thought that he was having a shot um, and it just sort of wildly miscued it straight into a, a Liverpool player's path funnily enough but I mean it, with this sort of thing you just what you do is you look at the players eyes and you look at the play, the balance so you look at where the the if their eyes follow where the ball's gone that that shows you that they meant it and um Yeah, just like joe allen with that with that no look assist um ramsey ramsey turns around and he looks exactly where the ball went so he 100 percent meant it and it was just an absolutely um incredible piece of improvisation but you know we 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 know as wales fans that that's the sort of thing he's capable of so we all know he meant it and it's just people who don't watch him as much as us who who are who are left with that question but it's
0: it seems obvious to me and we gave him a bit of criticism for his performance against ukraine and i think that was fair i don't think anyone's really jumped out to defend him but that second half against belgium was just vintage ramsey and i think what was the stat he created more chances than the whole of the belgium team just in that second half just I, I it was it was it was like turning the clock back three maybe four years, not quite maybe 2016 summer 2016 standards, but what we've grown to love and what we've seen you know quite a few times over the years, you see it maybe less frequently or less routinely these days. i I just thought it was it was vintage Ramsey. I thought it was just a joy to watch, absolute joy to watch. Um, and it wasn't just that that assist, just a lot of his other play was 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 terrific.
2: Yeah, it was great. He seems to love playing against Belgium as well.
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, De Bruyne got subbed sort of first half. I mean, he was he was again. He's a quality player, but he seemed to sort of his influence seemed to fade. And he 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 didn't seem to be hugely up for the June games in the Nation League, did he? In the way <clears throat> I was reading some of the comments and interviews, sort of stuff but by by all accounts. But um, uh, he went off. Hazard came on, which is not a bad substitution to make, uh, all things being equal. But um, Ramsey was the, was was the pick of all of those midfielders for me. Yeah,
2: it's a great moment when um, not long after Hazard came on and he went to close Ramsey down um, by our goal line and uh, Ramsey he just waited and waited and waited and then kicked the ball against Hazard for a goal kick and it was yeah that was that was vintage Ramsey. Just little little smiles from Hazard and Ramsey and it was good to good to see him enjoying his football because he, he sort of had a. Tough, sort of tough time of things on the field of late. So, um, if he can get a situation yes. sorted and and go to this World Cup with a good run of games behind him, wherever that is, then we'll we'll benefit from that.
1: He is capable of those vintage Ramsey performances. Still, he he isn't that old. <laughs> if he can get himself to a reasonable level of fitness, and I don't mean sort of like. Uh, you know, playing week in, week out, complete fitness. He rarely gets that point anymore. But if you think back to that Turkey game in 2021, when he's got enough fitness and when the sort of the occasion and tactically we're right, he can still put in massive vintage performances and he's done it again now. And I, you know, I would have no doubt that he'll be capable of doing it come the World Cup. I just think he needs, it's important few months, whatever happens with his club situation for the start of the new season. You know, he he probably needs to think about it a little bit like it seems Gareth Bale's going to think about it. What's going to get me right for the World Cup? What's going to, you know, minimise my risk of not being ready, getting injured, whatever it might be. But if he can get that right, yeah, I think we'll see something magic from him in some of those World Cup games again.
0: Uh, I'm going to leave the final words on Ramsey for this. Benefit of this episode to Mark Ainsbury chasing the dragon. Um, the most beautiful—he's the most beautifully not not Mark. Well, Mark is obviously, but Rambo, the most beautifully balanced human being of all time, <laughs> a vision, a vision of perfection. And no, it gets better. Um, the high point of human physical attainment, although I think his fitness probably lets him down a little bit. In any art form, we're just lucky that his chosen art form is late runs into the box to score for Wales and pirouetting like a new reeve, a human gyroscope of greatness. It was like gy- gyroscope of greatness or gyroscope of greatness? It's, it's not quite alliterative enough. Must do, must must try harder, Mark. But yeah, we had, a, we had a yeah. It was a bit more bit more of old Ramsey, wasn't it? And it was lovely to see. I guess he's a fan then, uh, Mark, Mark, is, Mark yeah, 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 yeah. Serious serious man crush, and I'm Ramsey. Just a quick reminder that we now have a Patreon page. Where you can subscribe to any one of four tiers, range from £2 to £10 a month. There's a range of exclusive content coming your way, as well as some other perks and offers, not least a 10% discount on purchases with exquisitely Wrexham based artist Liam Stokes Massey, aka Pencil Craftsman. Just head over to www.patreon.com forward slash podcast underscore Peldroid. There's no other kind of personnel-specific questions we had raised, but um, I, I just want to point out, um, I thought possibly, notwithstanding what you said about Dan James and, 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 and you know, Brandon's impact, Ramsey's second half against Belgium and so on, I thought the player of the month was, was probably Wayne Hennessy. And um, we're, we're not going to a World Cup without Wayne Hennessy, frankly, this month. And he pulled out some magnificent saves, which um, I wasn't sure he necessarily quite how, how in him these days.
1: Well, I feel... Um on that i feel a little bit more emboldened after the last few games to sort of pick up a conversation we sort of started to have on a on a previous pod we talked about hennessy and ward again for i don't know about the 700 at the time and i kind of i was sort of trying to make the point and i didn't have a great conviction about it at the time that if you're a player who has not been playing regular football at your club then you're only as good as your last few international appearances. Now, to my mind, that puts Hennessy now as the, the man in possession of the shirt, and the man in possession of the shirt with some incredibly good recent performances behind him. Um now others have made perfectly reasonable points that maybe Ward is the is the better keeper. Ward has equally got um you know fairly recent if we look back to the Euros um excellent performances for Wales. But how do you judge how good a goalkeeper is if outside of international windows they're never playing you know i think that it is incumbent on players to prove that they're that good by playing regular football and if you if you haven't got that then all you've got is your track record in the last few internationals well at the moment then, that's hennessy isn't it and i think um we're lucky to have two good keepers but i think a little bit like maybe starting with dan james now nah, we've Some fans, because Ward was this kind of new, exciting talent coming through a few years ago when he had that great season at Huddersfield and we hoped that maybe he'd go on to be a Liverpool keeper or whatever. Well, those days have been and gone now and and he hasn't kicked on in his career and therefore he's he's got no um, entitlement to claim that fish. I'm sure he doesn't feel that entitlement, but uh, I think that, you know. If he were to come back in the team for whatever reason, Hennessy was to get injured and put in a couple of great performances, then maybe it's him and and Hennessy's back being the one with stuff to prove. But when Hennessy was the the keeper with stuff to prove during this window, my God, he's proved it, hasn't he? So uh, for me, he's first choice keeper at the minute.
2: Yeah, I don't have any sort of really strong sort of Hennessy or Ward should start feelings, really. It's just like you know the person in possession who is doing the business should be the keeper to start. I think, you know, it probably will be Hennessy for this World Cup. And then maybe after that, uh, Paige might look at bringing Ward back in, but um, no, he was fantastic, this window, and given his performances and getting us to the World Cup, then Hennessy Probably deserves to be there. But having said that, it's funny because he put in that amazing performance against Hungary with the fantastic double save to qualify for the last Euros. But by the time the tournament came around, this shirt was Danny Woods. So um, it doesn't concern me if one or the other is the first choice for the for the World Cup.
1: No, and Paige and Page has been and that example you give shown Page has been willing to make that big call you know, in the context of of the particular time, when when it seemed right that it was Ward's time and Ward was the man in form and he'd had that sort of good performances building up to the tournament, he rightly became first choice. And I think that judgment was vindicated by uh, Ward's performances at, um, uh, in the European Championships. Uh, And equally, you know, Hennessy finding his way back into the team now, you know, vindicates him playing uh, most, okay, Ward got injured, but, Playing throughout this uh, international window, most of the games. So, I think as and when the time comes, Page seems to have been so far quite a good judge of, you know, who goes between the sticks. So, I'm, you know, for all I've sort of beaten the drum for Hennessy a little bit there, I, I would um, trust him to to make that call.
0: I would be interested to know what on what grounds they made the call. You know, to what in, in, what level of input does you know, Tony Roberts have, for example, as the goalkeeping coach? It does seem to be an interesting. Uh, you know the calls they've made um, do do seem to be interesting because, like you said, guys, it's not as if there's a huge amount of club form on which to base it. So there's obviously something, there's nothing, there's something else clearly informing it. It's not a random sort of thing. So I would be, uh, would be interested in 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 that. Um, the looking at it, that's from a personnel point of view and just kind of the way the games went. We can't not focus on the fact that lightning struck twice in the injury time against the Netherlands. I suppose there's two ways of looking at it. Surely it wouldn't strike a third time in the World Cup <laughs> if we were to play, play them in the second round, which is, you know, there's a there's a reasonable chance that might happen. What was going on then? You know, is it, is it naivety? Because, again, to me, to my mind, you know, we've talked about young players, we've talked about young players tonight. But at the same time, we'll also kind of revel in the fact that, you know, Dan James now has, you know, almost 40 caps. Ethan Ampadu has almost, you know, 35, 36 caps, whatever it is. So yes they're young, but it's not like they're inexperienced and certainly not at international level. So is it naivety? Because that argument didn't quite wash with me. Um and if it did for the first game, it, it didn't for the second. Um what, what do we make of that? Is it just two lapses of concentration that can be worked on or, or what?
1: I think it's worth it is worth pointing out that it's not it isn't quite lightning striking twice in the same place, is it? It's lightning striking uh and hitting i don't know quite different personnel in those two moments the first one i think i agree with you the first one is more naivety because one of those two players frankly has just got to take a book in and take the guy out before he puts the cross in because the header there is, is a is hell of a good header um and you know you you've you've got to do what you've got to do in that, that moment to sort of go away a free kick and then hopefully you don't concede that goal in the second game it, it's 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 a bit of bad luck and it is more on the personnel who are involved in trying to deal with that long ball that comes through that ball that comes tr- into our sort of left-hand channel and it's a great leap to be fair to the the dutch player but he comfortably outleaps leaps sorber thomas who that's part of it sorber thomas hasn't really he, perhaps he's one of the players who hasn't really done himself any great favors in this um international window despite you know, a lot of positive sort of vibes around him. If you look, think about Reese Norrington-Davis and how accomplished he looks in the air, you wonder if oh, that ball comes in and Reese Norrington-Davis is under it, maybe that player doesn't get the leap on him and get the header uh, into the box quite so easily. All Ben Davis can do after that is just try and get something on it. So there's a bit of bad luck in there as well, because then it just falls into the path of Depay, who's getting the run on Chris Gunter. And, you know, again, we come back to another issue we've discussed there. Chris Gunther has been an incredible servant for Wales, but he is, he is no longer, if he ever was, a player who Memphis Depay is not going to get the run on um, <laughs> in a moment like that. So I think there's a combination of things. It's players who maybe just aren't quite up to the job they were doing in those moments, a little bit of poor decision-making, particularly over not giving away the foul to stop the quick break in the first game. It's the, the different personnel kind of coming in as well. It's a bit of bad luck. Um, I don't think it speaks to a worrying trend, you know, and certainly in terms of our our best team and how they would deal in that situation and how they would um, defend those kind of last gasp attempts, even from a good team like the Dutch to get forward. So I'm not, I'm not massively concerned by it. I think it's, you know, it's a useful wake up call to have um, if anything, and you know something that the players involved will learn from. But I think if you've got, Roden in there say in that second one or if you've got um someone else perhaps uh, um you know on the, on the left-hand side maybe it doesn't happen because it's a pretty hopeful ball to start with to be fair isn't it
2: yeah um to go back to the first one i mean i can't remember who was on the pitch at the time but um i don't, don't think joe morel was playing was he and he's someone who's picked up a few bookings for wales and he's sort of um good bookings in a way like he's someone who knows when Fouling is the right thing to do, even if it's early in a game. And um I just wonder if like if Joe Morrell had been on, um, he might have taken a player out, which is what needed to happen. Yeah, you know, tactical foul.
1: Yeah, Morrell had definitely gone off think, by that yeah. point. I can't yeah. I'm trying to picture it now. I've got a feeling Harry Wilson yeah. was one of the two I thought who had the opportunity to bring him down. I can't think off the top of my head. Who the other one was maybe colwell or maybe Ampadu?
0: um
1: matt smith yeah, maybe uh could have been but um either way God, just do it, yeah. it just you know or not you know don't go it don't go going crazy or rash or try and injure the guy but it was it was that kind of run where you know a little trip oh, and, you know, yeah you give away a pull a shirt in, at least you know do it it's Kianelli, yeah,
2: uh, yeah. you know <laughs> it's it's yeah, it's got to be done. This you know, last last minute of the game, and um, it's just yeah, it's just a bit sort of naive and a bit, bit soft and a bit uh, not quite being switched on. The second one, yeah, I I, I think they targeted Suba Thomas. They could see that he was a bit of a weakness for us, and it was you know they knew they had seconds left, so it's like okay, let's go down that side. The player wins the header far too easily, and you know. Page said you've got to win the first header, and in those situations I think he was a bit exasperated with. Um, Silva Thomas by that point, with some of the um, needless fouls he was giving away. I mean, I'm just talking about how he needed to give away fouls, but he was giving away these kind of silly fouls in the second half. There was um, there was a shot of Page looking very kind of frustrated.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah yeah. Yeah, I thought Sorba struggled. I thought I thought I thought Westburn struggled as well in the first half and. You know, Hugh was saying in, 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 in the, the well, I think he said in both last couple of episodes that Page is perhaps a little bit conservative and reactive in his substitute his substitutions. Notwithstanding it was the final final game of five, so he was obviously managing the squad, but um you know, he gave he gave Burns the Shepherd's crook, didn't he, at half time, uh, swapped uh, Sober Thomas to the other side and I suppose it was marginal improvement but it, it, it wasn't improvement enough. Uh, I thought he struggled I thought he lacked it in offence and I, in, in, in defense he was he, you know he put in a couple of challenges later on, but you know it's the minimum you're expecting at that level like way to the Netherlands so I thought he struggled and can he be can he improve on that can he learn from that Of course he can you know it's only eighteen months ago he's playing you know conference so you know it's a massive journey he's gone on, but I don't think that you know just because he's a nice guy and he clearly loves being in the squad and he's you know worships Aaron Ramsey I don't think that gives him a free pass for when you have a performance that is I don't know, barely five out of ten in my book. Um, but there were lots of people that, that disagreed and that's kind of fine.
1: He might start to suffer with the makeup of person there in the squad already because um I think Hugh pointed this out on the last pod actually, when he came back into the Huddersfield team end of the season, he was playing on the left of a front three, you know, that I think someone else was in there so sort of wing back role by then. Um and if that's perhaps starts looking more like his future, particularly if if he were to kind of get as far as the Premier League, I don't, I don't think that maybe that's a place to sort of have someone with defensive frailties. So it might be that his future role is in, in more of a, an attacking role within Hudders- the Huddersfield team or wherever else. He's then, if that then is realistically the the role he could hope to play for Wales, he's into competition with a lot of other, uh, you know. Talented players, as we've discussed earlier. So, he's he, if 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 he's going to have a future as a prominent player for us, I think he's going to need to get better in that um that defensive aspect in his game. But we'd have said similar of Nico Williams, probably wouldn't we, a, a while ago. So there is time.
0: Would you agree with me? You mentioned him a moment ago. Would you agree with me that Reese Norris Davis is one of the players that has probably won a few brownie points this month and has, I wouldn't say cemented his place in the in the squad. I'm not sure it was never in ever in doubt, but he came out of the month. With his reputation enhanced slightly.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, You know, I sort of um, doubted his worth a little bit. I can remember talking about it with Hugh after, I think it was the Czech Republic friendly. But yeah, he was a really good performer, I think. If you're doing a squad now, I was 26, I think, but I chucked some names on a page thinking it was 23 the other day. Uh, and hundred, he was 100% in there as a sort of banker to go. So I think if we're looking at sort of four... Options at sort of wing back or two options at left wing back. He's he's next in line after Nico Williams on the left hand side, definitely.
2: Yeah, I'd say he's moved up ahead of Sorba Thomas in terms of being third choice wing back. Really, you know, looking, at, it's, it's Connor, and Nico, obviously, they're the um, first choice players. But then, yeah, he's moved ahead of Sorba for me. He's, he's, yeah,
1: and even even if Connor was out on the right hand side, you'd move Nico across and put Norrington Davis in, wouldn't yeah. you, before you. You bring anyone else in? I think. Yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I mean, it's third choice as wing back. So yeah, you can you can Connor and Nico can be can, can can swap flanks. Although I think you know Nico would be more comfortable going to the right than Connor to the to the, to the left. Um, so yeah, no, he he was excellent. Really good. Really really um, solid. You know, like and and that was. Did really well to win the header, um, which we thought was going to lead to a, a draw against the Netherlands for the first time ever. Maybe we're just never just not destined to to ever get anything against the Netherlands because yeah, we've yeah. every single one.
0: Even Luxembourg have beaten the yeah, Netherlands in the past. I think it's possibly given that it's ten games, ten defeats. That might be actually our worst, our worst record against. I don't think we've played anybody that many times and had a zero percent. Record. I mean there's the odd sort of draw and the odd win against the odd team here and there amongst the top nations but um yeah no they've, uh, they've they've got the mark on us for sure anything else to say about June and the 74 games that we played
1: no I don't think so I think it was you know kind of interesting and exciting but um maybe the next thing to think about in greater depth is what is the likely makeup of a, a World Cup squad and what do players need to be doing? in August and September and October to to get themselves in that number. But I think maybe that's a chat for a, a pod later in the summer, maybe.
0: I think it is. I think it is. We'll definitely come around to that. I just wanted to um, just touch on, my, uh, uh, Gaz, um, Mike Oh, yes, Hancock I definitely wanted to talk about that as well. New addition new addition to our little kind of um, part of the Ninian stand. And Mike is probably a name that people, most people won't recognise because... He's a relatively recent convert, isn't he, to to, to football? Well, not to football, but to, certainly to Wales games, uh, and certainly coming to them.
1: Well, to football as well, actually. Yeah, he, I mean, he's yeah. a long-standing rugby player in his day and and rugby fan. Player, coach, um, yeah. Somewhat yeah. disillusioned, I think, with with that, but sort of um, inspired into now becoming a Cardiff City season ticket holder and and more recently coming into Wales games by his. His young lad's interest in it, and he's really thrown himself into it uh you know alongside his dad when he when we first um talked about it, he tried to sort of put a, put all the blame onto Joe and say it was just about sort of that but he <laughs> he has he has he has fallen for football uh both at club and international level hook line and sinker, and I'm sure he' would tell you so himself now but uh imagine you want to talk about the video of his his lad.
0: Well, I was going to say, yeah. People, people will know. Listeners will probably know Joe better than they realise, because Joe was the lad in the wheelchair outside the City Arms that um, was singing a Chris Gunter song, and it kind of went viral. I mean, it just like ridiculous numbers on the on 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 that tweet, all around the world. I think FIFA uh, <laughs> retweeted it. I mean, it was like you know, those celebrities, um, just just incredible. Yeah, also on Radio Wales, uh, Mike was sort of being interviewed about it and spoke incredibly well about, about about all sorts of things around the ability of um, so sort of wheelchair-bound fans, um, fans with, with sensory impairments as well, being able to you know enjoy the game, well being able to get to the game at the, the very least, um, but also to enjoy the game and to savor it and to really kind of get involved, um, because he's got some significant uh, challenges to face, uh, Joe. But yeah, no, it was just, just just wonderful. I hadn't seen Mike for a while and it was good to catch up and just it just really portrays what, what it's like to go to Wales games at the moment really, really well and what it's about and it being inclusive and good natured and um yeah, just a credit to credit to the fans specifically. Uh, I think they were from Anissa Bull, that's what I picked up on most uh, definitely on, on the Radio if, Wales interview. So Yeah,
1: if you hear Mike on those interviews, um he talks about how that, that video was just a snapshot. You know, Those that, that sing song mm-hmm. and those fans yeah. engaging with Joe went on for, for a long time. And, you know, it, it it does speak brilliantly, you know, not that we need many reminders these days of the the positive culture, fan culture that sort of surrounds the the Welsh team. You know, it's a really um, beautiful thing to say. And, and on uh, Mike and Joe and their family, like, you're right about the challenges, but, like, to, to meet Joe, and I'm sure those fans experienced it, you wouldn't know it. He's sort of an incredibly mm. sort of um uh positive, joyful young man, you know what I mean? And and to talk to him about football, like he's so enthused about it and it's brought him great opportunities in return, like we saw there, you know, he, he's he's a, a massive fan of um Tommy Doyle who's been on loan at Cardiff City and he's had an opportunity to uh, meet Um, Tommy a couple of times and he he kind of walked away from the last game of the season with the shirt and signed boots and all this stuff and you know lots of interaction with with Tommy Dawes family on on Twitter Um, and it does you know it it kind of reminds you both in terms of fans in terms of organisations like the FAW in terms of players themselves you know they they are easy to uh, it's easy to deride and chastise fans when you look at certain behaviours in certain contexts and players and whatever else, but, um, you know, football creates, and partic- particularly Welsh football, it creates wonderful opportunities in those kind of ways. And it was, it was lovely to see and, and, and hear that happen for, for Joe and Mike.
0: So keep doing what you're doing, people, and he gets to save Wales in the World Cup at the age of 10, mm-hmm. the lucky yeah. bugger uh and not <laughs> and not in yeah. his his mid-40s <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um <laughs> finally but um did you want to come in then leon sorry oh, I, to, no
2: that. i just wanted to add you know sort of it did the, the clip obviously but, um you know didn't know that uh you, you you knew you knew the people involved it's just really lovely there we have this um you know it's really positive and fun and um in you know, a friendly fan culture that we're all really quite really proud of and we should be very like protective of because it's you know it, it things can change and um you know it'd just be really tragic to lose that and if we were to become some sort of like England light sort of thing you know I love that uh, the football culture in, in uh, around the Welsh national team is so different to 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 England, you know, because so much in Wales is just you know for 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 Wales see England in terms of you know pub, public life and stuff. But uh, you know we've uh, developed this kind of international fan culture in a very different way, and it's been a very organic thing through the through the fans really. And um, I think we can all be sort of proud of that. And um, just you know, just to sort of maybe give a bit of an example of this, um, I watched the Euro two thousand and uh, I watched the, the Euros final last year around at my neighbours um, and she's Austrian but she was living in Germany during um, 2000 and the 2006 World Cup and she was in one of the uh, cities where England were playing and and um, she sort of, she just sort of mentioned like, um, that she her experience of like coming across like thousands and thousands of England fans was just it was just so shocking to her to, to hear for her to kind of hear these songs and kind of see this sort of um violence that you know I don't know if it was and she saw any blood or anything but it was just like this kind of the threat of violence anyway and, mm-hmm. and it, the intimidation she, as well the intimidation yeah and and um and my wife was there watching as well, who's Austrian as well, um, watching the game and saying, you know, she, I'd taken her to Wales games and she just mentioned, you know, that's what I really love about going to see Wales play. It's just, it's friendly, it's welcoming, it's inclusive. And she's always, she's never felt unwelcome, even though she's not Welsh, um, going to the games and... Um, and that we have a very, very different culture around our national team to what to what England does, uh, and so um, yeah, it's all it's all good, and we should uh, we should be proud, but we should also be uh, protective of it as well.
0: Mm, no, absolutely, and long may it continue. Um, which begs the question: Why um, South Wales police seem to be so uh, um, on people's backs and filming fans and Wombey Street? Just, I mean, literally just around the corner, well, live in the corner. Uh, I mean, about twenty foot away from where Joe was, was singing with those fans, which is the remarkable thing. So, um, Alan Michael, if you if you if you're listening, please, Crown Commissioner for South Wales, if uh, you want to come on and explain why there was that police approach to fans, particularly after that game, and it wasn't in um, uh, around uh, the Belgium game rather than any of the others. I'm genuinely fascinated because um, I'm not aware of any evidence to suggest that it's justified. But let's not finish on a downer. We're going to World Cup. We have a decent fighting chance of staying up in the nation's league joe went viral and put a smile on everybody's face so um yeah it's um yeah the world is the world's not too bad it's uh, it's not great but it's not too bad Thanks for your time, gents. It, I would say it's late, but it, it's the longest day, isn't it, of course? So it still looks like completely daytime where I am. Um, so, um, so, yeah, so it's a bit disconcerting, but um, we'll catch up. Let's do that one around, you know, players, what their options are. Uh, we have a guest coming on probably, I think it's maybe two, maybe three weeks. I haven't quite pinned it down. We're going to be speaking with uh, From Wales international um, Paul Perry who uh, I think has an interesting career. We talk about Soap Thomas coming from non-league. Paul obviously did something very, very similar back almost 20 years ago, guys. Do you remember that? No, it wasn't that long ago, was it? 20, 2003, 2004, wasn't it? It's quite similar. Blimey.
2: Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Was his debut, two thousand? it was that Scotland friendly, it's wasn't Scotland it? Game. When Ernie, yeah. Ernie got the hat-trick. It was yeah, 2004. Yeah. Four. Oh, God, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. 18
0: years ago. 18 yeah. years ago, okay. Blimey. Four. Yeah. yeah, I know. That made you feel old, didn't it? So, yeah, there's that. A uh, couple of other things up our sleeve, I'm sure. But, um, yeah, I appreciate your time, gents. I'll let you crack on with your evening. Thanks, dear. Yeah. us you